but yeah. So the thing is, is in 2020, there were so many things that I, you know, this happened to all of us. Our social lives got taken away. We all got grounded by the government. Remember that happened? Like, remember, that's not how shit used to be. Like in the beginning, remember like January and February, especially everyone on Bruja Report, we're like doing Sobog Kriya together. We're like, this is our fucking year, dude. And it has been a year. Like everyone's income for the most part, at least that I talked to in Women's Wealth Mastermind, um, has been increasing. So this was our year. It just definitely didn't look the way that we thought it was going to look. But something happened right around March where like the, so we all got like our gyms taken away. If you go that way, got our jobs taken away, our travel plans taken away. And what we got instead was like a whole bunch of time at home with the internet. And then like the issues started rolling in. So there was like the huge, like Black Lives Matter thing, huge political things. And everything became political because for the first time, you know, this is the first time that I've experienced the government directly pressing up on my rights. Now that could just be, you know, because of how I was born in the world, but I've never, I've never had to care about the government so much because I can't go outside in New Mexico without wearing a face mask or I get a $500 fine. Like I would let, like, I've got so much admiration for the people that are like, I've never worn a mask. I'm like, dude, if that could have been me, I would have been stoked about, it. I hate wearing a fucking mask, but I get a $500 ticket in New Mexico and tickets right now with everything being so tense and all these strange people having all of this fucking authority, a ticket could turn into going to jail really fast. So basically we're all experiencing what it's like to be black in America, <laughs> like where every single tiny little altercation could end up in you getting sent off to the slammer. We're all starting to understand this a tiny little bit because that's real, right? Who here is never in America, who here has genuinely never seen the different treatment that white people get than black people? Anyone ever bartended in New York City? White people can use the bathroom, black people can't use the bathroom. Just about any bar that you work at in New York City will not actually say this, but that'll be the rule. They're like, oh, if they look like, you know, if they look like they're going to do something suspicious in the bathroom. So you go in on your first days of your shift and you're like, great, yeah, use the bathroom, go for it. And the boss is like, Why do you, how long has that person been in the bathroom for? It took me about two days to figure out that that was a race thing. Or I used to like rob grocery stores all the time. I used to rob grocery stores like crazy, but I was really good friends with all of the managers, not because we knew each other from way back, because I was like, I'm going to be robbing this grocery store. Can I just move to the neighborhood? You're going to start to know me as like the deficit, which was a nickname. One of my, I used to do Thanksgiving parties for 30 people with every single piece of food stolen. I'd stick a, a reusable bag in my grocery cart walk in and just throw everything into that bag that was just open in the shop. I mean, everything. Same with Rite Aid. But I would say hi to all of the managers and stuff. Hey, just a regular girl. Nice to meet you. How are you doing today? How are your kids? Et cetera, et cetera. Buy like $2 worth of things and cart my fucking heavy ass groceries out of the door paying nothing. Like I always knew that the reason why I was able to get away with that was not just because I was friendly, but because I was pretty and also because I was white. Like they just would, there's no way if they, there's no way that a black girl would have gotten away with that same thing. So that exists, you know, that exists. And of course it needs to be dismantled. Of course it needs to change, but you know what? I'm me. I'm me. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I live out in the middle of nowhere. The biggest issues for me right now have been weaning my son. I really, really care about that. 
I really, really care about like, even if I try and act like, yeah, I don't have any problems. There's nothing that I care about because there's such bigger things going on in the world, like racism. Like we have to dismantle racism at the base. Dude, I put my best, I was like, I'm gonna give this my best. I'm gonna give this one workshop and that's my anti-racism communication strategies, which you can check out. It's on IGTV and it's also on, on Spotify. But after that, I don't wanna be a social justice warrior, dude. I don't wanna talk about racism all the time. I'm not black. I don't know what it's like to be black in America. I'm never gonna know what it's like to be black in America. Therefore, I'm never gonna be a good spokesperson for talking about racism in America because that just hasn't been, I've just told you basically all of my experiences with racism, you know? And it's not anything compared to what somebody growing up, like growing up black in New York, stop and frisk, fucking terrible to be a black person in New York. Not all the time, but definite. Talk about getting targeted. Oh my God, 110%. 110. You can't even use a fucking bathroom, dude, without brushing up against racism. But that hasn't been my experience. So I'm not a good person to talk about that. And then something, so, but I was like, I got to care about racism. I got to care about it more than I care about like my own problems. No one wants to hear about my white girl problems. No one wants to hear about, maybe half of my audience has never had kids before. So they don't want to hear about breastfeeding. So I'm not going to talk about that either. And I'm not going to complain about my husband because who wants to hear about like marriage problems? But actually, my husband getting on my nerves, dude, that's like 30% of my day. And it's not that I don't like it, you know, like I, it's annoying. But if I can laugh about it because I can talk about it, it's like my favorite fuel for the fire. Who here loves it when I talk shit about my husband? Who <laughs> loves it when I boss my husband around? <laughs> dude, this is what I was most afraid of people finding out about me. And so here's something that we just did this in the Bruja Report Moon Circle, but since there's a lot of people on here that haven't been to the Moon Circle yet, um, something we did was talk about how what you think are like your big, what you least want people to find out about you is basically your, your secret weapons, like what people should most find out about you. So I was like, I really don't want people to find out that I actually don't care about racism enough to talk about it all the time. I don't. I care about other stuff. And I actually, I care about like my regular ass white girl mom problems, privilege problems, first world problems, whatever they fucking are. The thing is, is if I pretend like I don't care about them because I just care about these bigger issues, I'm going to start getting resentful and resentment turns into racism and resentment turns into hatred and resentment turns, you know, if you feel, just think about it like it was a regular relationship. If you had a friend that was always like telling you about her problems that you don't really care about. Let's say a friend has like really different problems than you that you like just you just don't care about. Maybe she's uh, always had oh she's oh my boobs are just so big, and guys are always just like looking at my boobs, and like when I run my boobs are so heavy. But look at all these like hot guys that want to go out with me and buy me stuff because they like my boobs. And you maybe you've always wanted big boobs and you're just like have pity, it's okay, you know? But then when you try to speak up about something, she's like, no, 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 I don't wanna hear about that. Shut up, let's talk about my boobs some more. Now listen, I am not saying racism and someone else's big boobs are the same thing, but I'm just saying in any situation, if you felt like you always listened to somebody talk, but then when you wanted to talk about your problems, you were told they were irrelevant or that you should shut up or that you should mute yourself or that it's not time for you to be talking right now, you're going to start getting resentful, even if you can pretend on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any problem. My problems are nothing compared to yours. People can do this for years. My problems are nothing compared to yours. Yeah, let's just like focus on you. Let's do that. And feeling like you have to do this 
because you have to care because everyone else cares. Um, it actually starts to breed what it is that they're like most against, which is racism, which is transphobia. If you all of a sudden, I have so many friends that are trans, I don't even like, and honestly, I, I never think about my friends and like, oh, that's my trans friend and that's my Asian friend and that was my black boyfriend. Like I never think, thought, I, I don't categorize people like that because our experiences are so much more meaningful than that. Like, just like when I changed my name from Holly Allison to Everest Asher in 2016, I think none of my friends even care because like none of my friends even call me by my name anyway. Because like, like, you know, imagine if I came and like said, oh, hello, Flora. How are you doing today, Flora? Can I offer you another cup of tea, Flora? Like you actually don't say people's names that much. Let, it's kind of like turning 21 and somebody and you don't you never get carded. So like if you barely ever call somebody by their names, like what makes you think you would start calling somebody by your pronouns? Hello, this is my friend Flora. She's a she, her. Hello, Flora, she, her. Can I offer you another cup of tea? Like we, we don't interact like that. Think about all, like I, I didn't notice until I changed my name that hardly anybody ever called me by my name, by my categories, by my pronouns. Actually before 2020, I never really felt the need to. Have you guys noticed how many sentences and Instagram posts now are always starting with the words as a, as a black woman in America, I feel like I should weigh in on this. As a white woman that's been running a business for five years, I can tell you for a fact that. And it's these little qualifiers like, hey, I just want you to, before you listen to me talk, because I'm pretty sure that, you know, nobody's going to listen to me say anything. So let me like raise my hands and tell you these like qualifiers that I have of why you should listen to me because nobody's listening to anybody right now. So here's my qualifier. It's a very weird thing. It's a very weird thing. Like it would, if, if I was in a bar watching a bar full of people, and there was somebody that was always, okay, well, as of this, I would like to, that's like some, anybody that's bartending will tell you that teachers are really weird. They're like the weirdest, shittiest customers that you'll ever have. They always got to make a circle, you know, they always make a circle out of the bar stools and drink one beer for like four hours and don't tip you. They're fucking the worst, you know, talk about how much they hate kids. That's what the teachers, <laughs> that's teachers in New York, I tell you, but that's like where you would hear that type of conversation. Well, as a marginalized employee, I would, I was like, we don't, you know, this isn't the way that we've ever interacted. But then all of a sudden in 2020, someone told me, hey, guess what? Trans people are, get, get super easily offended now. They're super, they're easily offended about just about everything and they need our protection. Actually, I know I've never thought that. Are you kidding me? My trans friends could kick my ass stuck in 10 ways in the next week and everybody else too. No, fuck it. They don't need my protection. Not that I've ever known of. I mean, I've never asked them, but, but and again, I've never, I've seen people go from woman to man right in front of me in the course of our friendships. And I like, didn't even notice. I'm like, oh wait, you got your boobs cut off. Okay. That's cool. Let's keep going. Like it's not, but then when society says, well, now these people are really sensitive. I'm like, oh my God, do I need to start like watching my words around my regular friends? Do I need to like ask them what their pronouns are? And then I'm like, well, why should I have to do that? That's weird. And it's this huge body of information, right? There's all these different little like subcategories and shit like that. And you really want to get people's things right. And grammatically it's incorrect. So you have to learn how to like talk wrong and change all of this stuff because like right now, and, and it's not the time to talk about breastfeeding your kid. 
And is that what a struggle that is. And it's not a time to talk about actually how your business is thriving or how well you're doing or how like actually everything that's happened so far this year has pushed you to do things you've been meaning to do for a really long time. You know, it's not time for you to talk about that right now. We have to talk about all these other things. Instead, you need to learn how to speak in a new way. And you need to just like understand, you know, you have to understand this really complex idea of how feeling like a woman makes you a woman and feeling like a man makes you a man, but feeling like you don't know if you're a man or a woman is not a feeling whatsoever. It's a clinical diagnosis that needs to be respected. That's a pretty hard thing to comprehend, you know? Even for my trans friends, like it's kind of hard for them to even wrap their mind around it. That's a huge thing to expect for people to just understand and care about in that way. Like what if you've genuinely just never cared about what other people do with their lives and their bodies? Has anyone always felt this way? Where like, as long as you're happy, I don't give a shit what you do. You want to change, I'll call you by any name that you want. I'll help you get, if you need to raise money to get this surgery, I'll do anything that I can to help you because you're my friend. Because you're my friend and I want you to be happy. And I don't stay up at night thinking about if I need to make some type of moral resolution on how you live your life. I've never given a fuck about how you live your life. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be happy. But then social agendas started running and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, how do I feel about, tra about the trans movement, whatever the proper term for that, how do I feel about it? Is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing? Is this bringing us closer to or further away from like what I feel is godliness? Um, do I think it should be taught in schools? Okay, well like, uh, you know, how do you feel about vaccines? Well, I've always felt the same way about vaccines, but that's why I live in the middle of fucking bumfuck nowhere where my kid doesn't have to go to school because I've always felt like trying to, by like 2005, I was like fighting vaccines as a losing game. They're just, they, the argument for it in cities is too strong. The argument for it in cities is too strong. I'm sorry, you're not gonna be able, like, you're not gonna be able to talk your way out of that in cities where things spread super fast, places like New York, places like LA, schools, all of these things. I was like, this is by 2005. I was like, there's no way this agenda is going in one direction. So I'm going to like move out here so that I don't have to care so that I don't have to follow Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And wonder why his wife, Cheryl Hines is wearing a mask, but he's like a vaccine guy. Did anyone ever followed <laughs> everyone to follow Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I love him and Cheryl Hines relationship, but I saw her giving a haircut with like a mask and gloves and everything on. And I, I did, I don't know, I, I don't, who here has ever seen people walking in the grocery store where they're like, it would be earlier on, but where their partner has a mask and they don't? Oh, me. What, dude, no. If I'm walking into a grocery store with no mask on, my husband sure is fuck's not going to be wearing a mask. What do you say? I'm cool with her dying. She'll be dead in three to five months. You know, I'll be single then. I'm with stupid. Like, what the fuck is that? You're wearing a mask and I'm not. It's basically just saying I'm cool with you dying. I'm cool with you. But me, no. My life is a, like, are there conversations behind? I'm dying to know. I'm dying to know. Are there like conversations behind that? Or your like girlfriend just kind of casually puts on a mask and a glove and a face mask and stop sleeping with you. <laughs> like, pretty fucking weird, right? The, these little tiny divisions that even in couples, and that's where we, what we've seen so much of. Social media 
which are really, really good at manipulating, can say, you've got to care about this. You've got to care about politics this year. You've got to, like, who here has been told by literally every social platform, every party that they follow, vote. You got to vote. You got to vote. You got to vote. Who here has never really cared about voting? Who has never cared about voting? I've never, I voted once for Obama, I think, <laughs> to get out of work to get out of work. And I don't like, I don't even know if it worked, but I went and had like six beers, went to get, I tried to get somebody to give me a sticker that says I voted so that I wouldn't have to wait. And then I was so fucking mad because my work was like, well, you can go vote, but you have to come right back to work afterwards. I thought I was going to be gone for the whole day. So I was like pretty pissed about that. And that's the only reason why I did it. But I, I never cared. I used to care when I was like 15 years old in a crust punk protesting, getting kicked out of school for making shirts that say, save a tree, kill a bush. And they're like, uh, you can't like crash our screen printing course and make shirts about killing the president. So you have to go. Um, after that, I was like, you know, like I had such a, such a hard time with Bush. I protested, I read up on politics and then I realized that I had to go to work. And that like all this political stuff was stressing me out and that the people I knew that were like, no, you have to care more about politics, lived with their parents and didn't have to work. AKA they had the time to give so much of a shit about things beyond their control. They had so much time to sit and talk and sew fucking patches onto their jeans and talk about how shit the world was and how there was nothing we could do about it. I was like, homie, I got to go to work. And so I read a, an essay called Civil Disobedience. Has anyone ever read Civil Disobedience by Thoreau? Fucking very good essay. And you can listen to it on YouTube too. It, it's like a 30 minute thing. And I started, and I heard this quote by Albert Camus who said, the only way to be free in an unfree world, who, who here feels like we're living in an unfree world? What, like, think about fucking January and your intentions and stuff for January and what you're like allowed to do. Serena, fucking air sign, hits me up and she's like, yeah, I just realized that like, I'm really the happiest when I'm traveling and I'm just gonna like keep, and I was like, yeah, bitch, no shit, you're an air sign. You love to be up in the air, but you haven't been allowed to travel. Like, don't forget that. We all haven't like pushed out on life and like forgot that we've like not been allowed to do anything. I can't leave in New Mexico. Oh, the fucking governor here. Classic like bitch cop teacher thing to do. You don't have to wear a mask everywhere in New Mexico. You don't have to wear one when you're swimming. Bitch, New Mexico, desert. Like where the fuck in landlocked New Mexico am I going to be swimming? Oh, whew, take my mask off. Oh, like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's that fucking English teacher shit to pull, right? Well, it's not full detention, but it's just six and a half hours. You're like, oh, bitch. <laughs> but we are living in an unfree world right now. But Albert Camus says that the only way, yeah, technically, so he says, yeah, technically, fuck that shit. <sighs> um, but we are living in an unfree world right now. And the only way to be free in an unfree world is to become, this is such a hard quote to remember. The only way to be free in an unfree world is to become so absolutely free, like on the inside, that your very existence is an act of rebellion. That your very existence is an act of rebellion. Just being alive, 
Charles Bukowski says death is sex is kicking death in the ass while screaming. That's how I want to live, dude. Kicking death in the ass while screaming. Fuck you, bitch. You know what I mean? Like, fuck that. And think of all the people right now that are super, super afraid of COVID. And they're not living right now whatsoever. They're like, oh my God, that person over there isn't wearing a mask. What kind of person doesn't wear a mask? I need to stand six feet away from you with my oxygen tank and weird you out and wait for a minute where I can be like, you're supposed to wear a mask. I'm high risk. Bitch, if you're high risk, why are you standing next to me if I'm not wearing a mask? These people are super, super, super afraid. Would you say these people are living or dying? Would you say that these people are free in an unfree world? Think about how many little rules they personally have self-inflicted. I got to put my gloves on. I got to put my face shield on. I got to take my clothes off outside where my husband, a frontline worker, lives in a tent and has been living in a tent for the past fucking six months. And then I need to do this. I need to open my Amazon packages outside. And then I need to go in and sanitize everything. A lot of time on your, a lot of time. But, you know, they all got their jobs taken away. So, you know, something else that you can do. And then I need to go in and I need to catch up on the news and I need to read the stats. Is there a second wave? These people are totally fucking afraid. And their existence is not an act of rebellion. It's an act of obedience. Every, did you know that every single country has a propaganda campaign and we are the ads for it? We are the ads for it. So when you have a bunch of good American citizens, not only walking around masked up, gloved up, but telling other people, voluntarily policing, then the same people say defund the police, but then they like do the same fucking shitty thing that police, oh, that person's a psychopath. They're not wearing a mask. You're like, oh my God, this is crazy. They're not living free in an unfree world. And you don't have to be a slave in the world. But if you're always being told what it is that you care about, and then you're putting all of your time and your energy into something that you don't actually care about because you think you have to, because the peer pressure got to you. You don't want to wear a mask, but you have to do it because, you know, at your sister's baby shower because she's real weird about it and you don't want to make her uncomfortable. Like I get it if the government's making you do it, but your sister's baby shower, that's pretty fucking weird, right? I don't want to wear a mask in these baby shower pictures. I don't think it's cute. I love the way that Guru Joss says that they say it's the new normal. Well, if it's new, it's not normal. And if it's social, it's not distant. I love the way that she said that. All of these weird little divisions and contradictions, you know? But I forgot where I was going with that for just a second, but oh, Zoe, go ahead. Um, well, so that was actually kind of what happened with my ex and I when we broke up. Mm. Um, we were just so far apart on so many issues, masks, vaccines being, you know, two of them. Um, and I think I just kind of chickened out too, like I didn't know how to have those conversations and we kind of just stopped talking. And even as like, you know, we are out in public, like I wouldn't wear a mask and he would, you know, like, cause I knew what this was, you know? And, but for him, he was just like, why, why can't you, you know? And I don't know. So how do you go about having like, cause it's like, I think that before I've tried the, oh my God, look at, look at this, you know, look at what, um, like the pharmaceutical industry, look at, and then I realized it wasn't, it also wasn't kind to like throw him into these conspiracy theories if that wasn't where he was and that wasn't his journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that what you're saying here, cause like, here's some, and I'm really happy that you brought this up and like right at this time, because, uh, 
I want to be able to laugh about this stuff all the time. And it's easy for me. It's easy for me to do, um, you know, living so far. I leave my house maybe once a month. That, and that was pre-COVID. Like, that's just how I live. But every time I've gone to the city and seen what's happened to people and seen what has happened to, like, this land, people's relationships and hearing stories like this, like, this is fucking sad, dude. Like, this is sad. It's sad. A lot of, who here has, who here has had a difficult breakup because of COVID? Not even just with, a, like, somebody that you're romantically involved with, but maybe a job that you really liked, maybe a partner or a friend that you really liked, you know, even somebody on the internet that you've been following for a really long time, all of a sudden just like, was like, you got to vote for Biden. And you're like, I don't know, bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> you know, praying for a vaccine. It's been really sad. This has been really sad. And that was something like, I cried the whole last time that we were in Santa Fe because from over here, I could laugh at people making stupid comments and stuff in the internet and, uh, and be like, yeah, fucking sheep. But then seeing people so imprisoned in an already unfree world and just dying, like dying a little bit more every single day and getting right back in front of the TV for a new dose of like death serum. How do you have these conversations with your boyfriend? You can't, you can't. And it's, you know, even if you thought you were going to be with this person forever, all of a sudden this shit started to shake down the world and it split, you know, with people that are like, you need to trust the government. And people are like, look, I'm sorry, but every single day, another right gets taken away. Some weird little piece of legislation changes without any notification to the American public or the world, the whole world. Every single day, a few more rights get taken away. And I know we're saying to like, make this normal, but I'm not allowed to leave my house without covering half of my face up. So many people I know have lost their jobs. There's everything is where I have to stand six feet away from everybody. And every single tiny altercation could really quickly turn into an arrest, especially if there's no cops, you know, and they're like, okay, well, we're going to send a social worker to deal with this no mask person because you might be insane. You, you don't get sent to the drunk tank. You get sent to the psych ward. It's a lot harder to get out of the psych ward. It's a lot fucking harder to get out of the psych ward. It's sad. And there's so many things that have ended before we really felt ready. And, and I want you to know that like, if you've been feeling really crazy during this time and unpredictable, you have fucking every right to feel that way because what you're feeling is grief. And grief is the conflicting emotions that occur after a great change. So not wailing like an Italian funeral when somebody dies, not fucking going on meth benders when you and your partner divorce, but the conflicting feelings that occur after a great change. A great change is losing a job. A great change is your parents splitting up. A great change is how they define it in grief recovery, reaching for somebody that was always there only to find out that when you need them one last time, they're not there or reaching for something or someone that was never there only to find out that when you need them one last time, they're still not there. This has happened. Everything that was keeping you 
ha- all of your good habits, all of your fucking self-care routine and all of that shit got taken away from you. So that's big change. Your job got taken away from you, your travel plans, the shit that you were looking forward to. And sometimes somebody that you really fucking loved and you're like, yeah, when shit goes down, we'll be in it together. And they're like, actually, I'm going to be wearing this from now on. And you're like, fuck me. Like, it's just sad. It just sucks. There's no way to have those conversations. It's brutal. But the example of a conflicting feeling, how can I be so fucking angry at these sheep that are just basically begging the government to put more lockdowns on us? How can I be so fucking mad at them and want to cry when I look at them too? Because I feel so fucking bad for them. How can I love somebody so, so much and hate their guts so much? How the fuck could you be so stupid? How could I be, how could I feel that way about myself? Oh my God, I miss them so much. You were so stupid for trusting them. You were so stupid for putting down those issues and trusting them. Like, this is sad. This is sad. And I want you to really honor how fucking hard this has been for you. And that's what, like, if you're feeling crazy and unpredictable, I'm like, yes, I can take over the world one day. I'm like, I feel like I'm never going to accomplish anything the next day. That's what grief is. Conflicting emotions that occur after a great change. You're fucking sad, dude. And you have every right to be sad because look at what you thought was going to go down in January. And look at what happened. Look at how we tried to like manifest our way out of it. Look how that didn't work. You know, it's sad and it's all happening because it has to happen, but it doesn't mean it's not sad. And yes, we've been making lemonade, but that doesn't mean that we didn't get handed lemons first. It's been tough. It's been really tough. And I want you to honor that. And we all need to honor that. But something that I was working on with my coach was, you know, so this is when I've spent the last four years crying with women. And this year I've been laughing with women because we got to a point where I'm like, I can't take it anymore. Like I am super fucking stressed out. I'm not making any money. I'm on the news every single day. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Trump is starting a nuclear war. 14 days to flatten the curve has been going on for three months at that point. I don't know if there's going to be another stimulus check. My accountant is telling me this is going to be the worst year for business. And I believe him. I'm fucking stressed out and there's not a lot that there's nothing I can fucking do about it. This is crazy. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, I got to a point where I just couldn't handle that anymore. I was like, I'm too fucking stressed out. Oh, not to mention the whole George Floyd first wave of Black Lives Matter stuff started happening and the country's like literally on fire and everyone's being called a racist and all of this. And I have to care about every single one of it, even though what I'm actually dealing with in my actual life is significantly more mundane. Seems totally unimportant compared to what the rest of the world is doing, but it's important to me. It's important to me. And so I got to this point where I was like, I just wanna laugh with ladies because this has been really hard for us. It's been really hard. There's not one person I know who has not really fucking struggled with since COVID. It's been super hard. It's hard for everybody. And um, my coach asked me one of the most important questions I think that I've ever been asked because one of the main reasons I wanted to work with her because she can help me answer questions that I just assumed would never get answered. 
And so, but always for the fucking weird ass direction. She like comes in from this, like she's a, she was a, the, the president of integral coaching integral psychology is Ken Wilber's um, faction, super brilliant teacher, amazing, amazing, amazing teacher, but hard to understand. And she was the president of the integral Institute. So she can always find this like angle that I wasn't seeing that helps me answer a question I thought could never be answered. And the question that I was wondering for all of this year was like, is it, are these really end times? Cause like, this is some pretty significant looking shit going on. Like I'm seeing a lot of different psyops and biblical prophecies and ancient prophecies and all of these things converging. It really, these seem like significant times to me. And what I want to know is what's going to happen. Who here has been wondering like, what's going to happen? Maybe there's a little like three month milestone, like, okay, well, you know, maybe the election will change things, but what's going to happen? Are mandated vaccines coming? Are no buying and selling without a COVID vaccine going to be, is that going to be a reality? Is it like, what are we looking at here? And, um, and I asked her, I said, you know, well, like what I most want to know is like, are these, are these end times? This bitch, she goes, well, what if they are? Oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. like, what if they are? What if they are in end times? Who do you want to be in end times? So this is what I want you to write down on your paper. It is a fucking powerful question. And it took me like three weeks to answer it. So we'll do this and then we'll go into Q&A. It took me like three weeks to answer this. But who do you want to be in end times? And so when, when my first, my gut reaction, who do I want to be in end times, baby? I don't want to be a truth teller. I don't want to be a prophetess, trigger warning from the, for the children of God people. I don't want to be heaven's girl. I don't want to be any of this shit. I want to be way the fuck away from everything. I, my, who do I want to be in end times? Wake me up when it's over. That's me. <laughs> Wake me up when it's over. And the reason why it took me three weeks to answer that was like, wait, should I want to be more than that? You know, is that an old version? Is that, the, is that the Cinderella archetype in me that wants to go hide up in the closet and just clean and clean and clean until it goes away? Or is this actually who I am? And these are some of the things that I work on with, with my coach. Um, or do I want to be Daenerys? Do I want to be like, yes, victory, you are I'm not without a fight. You know, these two big, who do I want to be in end times? And you know what, after three weeks, I was trying to find the analogy and all I could think of was a scene in Titanic where there's like the people playing the violin as the Titanic goes down. I'm like, I don't wanna be that. <laughs> I don't wanna be that. But sex is kicking death in the ass while screaming. Ah! That's who I wanna be. I heard Sage Robbins say, if I'm gonna die in a plane crash, I don't wanna spend the last five minutes of my life worrying that I'm gonna die in a plane crash. Why would I, if this, if shit is gonna, if the whole world, let's say worst case scenario, entire world goes up in flames, EMP, electromagnetic pulse attack, all batteries, all computers, all systems disabled, poverty in the streets, millions of people coming off their fucking pharmaceuticals and being like worst case scenario. If that's going to happen in three months, I don't want to help people look forward to that. I don't want to teach people how to die slowly with, you know, like battery life that's just going dee, 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 living in fear and terror and disempowerment and stress until that time. If we're all gonna die in a plane crash in five minutes, I wanna be the person standing up in the plane making you laugh. I heard a joke one time that was saying, and this is kind of 
terrible example. Of, I don't even know if I'm going to tell this joke right now. I think it's so bad. It is what they call a chauvinistic joke because it's just chauvinistic in your mouth. And that is like a real shitty, I'll just tell you anyways. I don't think it's, it's probably not going to make me laugh, but you know, I couldn't not tell it, right? So there's a plane and the plane is going down and this woman fucking stands up and rips her shirt off. And she says, if this plane is going down, I want to go down feeling like a woman. Who on this plane is going to help me go down feeling like a woman? And this man stands up in the back and he rips his shirt off and he throws it at her and he goes, iron this. And you know what? <laughs> That's a shitty joke, but it's on topic for this discussion because I bring anything on topic for this discussion. You guys know. Um, but women have so many moments like that in their life. So many moments of being disrespected. So many moments of some fucking douchey boss that you have to be like, yeah, you're right. Because the women choose the path of least resistance. And sometimes the path of least resistance is looking at your husband making a completely unreasonable demand of you. Like, hey, I just think that you should really think if you actually need hot water before you turn the hot water on. Because if not, it'll be hard on the hot water heater. So try and use cold water. And every time I hear the hot water heater turn on, I'm gonna come fucking find you and see if you're brushing your teeth because you really, you know, and it's like women will have so many moments, like feeling like a woman is not all fucking diva mode. Feeling like a woman sometimes is that fucking idiot throwing a shirt at you, you know? Hey, I was wondering if you were gonna make dinner tonight or some bullshit like that. And that's just part of being a woman. And if we can laugh about it, like when we talk about it, if I'm like, oh my God, can you believe what my husband just texted me? That he's going to eat a sandwich before bringing me a cup of coffee? Like, dude, I don't give a fuck what's good. That is a real problem in my house today. <laughs> and I want that. And you know, I used to be afraid of the world finding out about that. And now I'm like, you know what? This is just what I want to talk about right now. Because if they, like right now, when we look outside, when we look at the news, shit is going crazy. You know, shit is going crazy. Our family members are losing their shit and we like can't help them. It's not helpful. Red pilling is no longer helpful. You're like, oh, honey, I just went like, basically it's like they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness and we just want them to be comfortable. We're like, give them the morphine, give them the CNN, let them go because it's not that wake up call is not going to be fun for them. We've all lost like so many fucking friends, so many friends, so many, you know, when we look outside of the window, shit is fucking sad. But if these really are end times, and if that is still going to keep going on out there, I want to be laughing. I want to be laughing the whole time. I want to be so fucking free in these rooms to talk about whatever our little fucking issues are laughing that just the fact that we are alive is an act of rebellion. Just the fact that we are alive and here laughing, even though everyone's all like, look at this sinking ship. Look at what's going on. That's what I want. That's where I want to go. That's what I want the next five years of my life to look like. And so uh, I've decided to take my podcast off of Spotify. For a long time, I've been meaning to do a podcast that was like what Joe Rogan does for men, but for women. Um, you know, Joe Rogan, really, it's just conversations, really raw conversations where people tell the truth, not edited. It's replaced like nighttime TV for me for a while. It's like a talk show. 
I love meeting new people and I love hearing about their weird, you know, finding out that people you didn't know were really interesting are really interesting. Like I've always wanted to do that because Joe Rogan, after I can listen to like 20 minutes of two guys talking to each other, but after that, I'm like, all right, you two pussy magnets, dear go fucking keep conniving your little secrets over there. I don't fucking care. And so many times when he gets a woman guest on, they're comedians that have gotten famous, like dominating a, a usually typically male industry. So it's like talking to another dude because they're like blowjobs, <laughs> you know? Like, it's, it, it's not, I, I, I like spaces where women can be women because we can get through anything if we can laugh about it. Like this is always, this was the divider that they tried to put between women back in the fifties. They knew that when women get together, there's power because we can get fucking bulldozed all day long by the people in our homes and our shitty bosses and our day jobs that we don't like and being disrespected here and underappreciated here. And if we can just go and hang out with our girlfriends and be like, can I please just vent about this for a second? I don't need to fix it. We don't need a solution. This isn't code. We don't need to make a schedule. I don't want to talk about my boundaries. I don't want to do fucking inner work. I just want to vent. I'm not trying to break up with this person. I'm not trying to quit this job. It's paying my fucking bills right now, but I need to go somewhere where I can fucking laugh about it so that when I have to go back to work or when I have to go back to making dinner or whatever, when the plane is going down and a fucking guy's throwing his shirt at me and I'm like, I wouldn't fuck you anyways. Um, I want to laugh about it, you know? I want to be able to laugh about it because when I go back, I'm like, it doesn't get to me. All of this shit on the outside, it doesn't get to me because I'm like, yeah, 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 wait until I tell my fucking homies about this. Wait until, it's fucking hard to have your boyfriend wear a mask when you're not wearing a mask. It's, it's fucking hard. And it's fucking hard to have a boss that doesn't respect you. And it's fucking hard to be underpaid. And it's hard to be in your first two years of business. It's hard to lose all of your friends. But you're not alone. I mean, you're not alone. You're not the only person experiencing this. And, uh, and I just want to, that's what I want to do going forward. So we're starting a new podcast called Church. And it's spelled uh, E-R and not U-R. Because you guys know the difference between W-O-R work and W-E-R work, right? If I tell you, you better work. That shit's fun. W-E-R-K work is fun as fuck. But if I said to you, like, you better work, excuse me, you better work with, with an ORK, it's no fun. Um, but I want to just start having uh, some more conversations where we can all have a laugh. So we'll be putting that on YouTube and it won't be on Spotify anymore because who knows, maybe one day I'll sell it to Spotify for a hundred million dollars. But until then, uh-uh, no fucking ways, dude. No ways. There's so every time you go and invest in a new platform, like when people are like, okay, I'm like, where should I post some nudes? And we decided that that was gonna be on the Bruja Report, and it is under the Divine Feminine Slack channel. Uh, they're like, oh, go to OnlyFans. But the thing is, is when I go to OnlyFans with my fucking content, I'm making OnlyFans more successful. When I drop Anchor into YouTube, I'm making YouTube more successful. Like, I wanna make me more successful. If I'm bringing all of this audience, like who here ever had the opportunity to be a club promoter? Anyone live in a city and get offered a job? Hey, you wanna, it's like, see, you're like, oh damn, I'm only 19, cool, I'm gonna be able to get into this club. And they're like, yeah, bring 50 of your friends. 
<laughs> so hard before you know it you're like flyering for the club but um but that's basically what happens with social media right now hey come here bring all of your friends to this club we'll give you fucking 10% or 5% or 2% or whatever or nothing um and you can make our club more successful this is something if you guys are thinking about bridging onto new platforms and seeing what happened with TikTok for all you women entrepreneurs women entrepreneurs out there you know it's a make sure you have a backup that goes straight to you make sure you have a newsletter list that goes straight to you a, a group text or anything like that but um i wish that i had known before i sunk when i started on instagram it wasn't owned by mark zuckerberg but mark zuckerberg bought it and anywhere have you guys noticed this but like anywhere that facebook goes and buys something First thing to go is the women's beautiful bodies. All of a sudden, like all of these beautiful women's bodies are out and all of these ugly politicians are in. Like, what the fuck is this? This is like casting Steve Buscemi as a sex symbol in Boardwalk Empire. I don't want to see this fucking guy. They took away all of the boobs and stuff off of Instagram and they did it to Tumblr too. Take all of the fucking boobs and bodies and gorgeous shit off of fucking, not even shit, all of these gorgeous women off of Tumblr. And who do you get? Joe fucking Biden? Are you kidding me? That guy looks like Greyhound bus AIDS, like not regular, not like Michael Stipe AIDS, like, oh, it looks like you're dying. It's like, you look like you sat on a wet seat on a Greyhound bus and you came out irrevocably sick for the rest of your life. Your skin is like weird and translucent and like gin blossom. I don't want to see you. And on the other side, Trump, are you kidding me? Trump is the type of guy that would fuck you with sunglasses on, dude. Straight up. Some dude like eyes are always like half closed. Don't worry, I'm doing great. Homie, I've dated a Gemini. I get it. You've got no problems. There's nothing wrong. And you have to like leave the room every 30. The personality of a bat in a small room, you know? They always have to get out and move around and like get the fuck away from you. He's a strange guy too. He's a strange guy too. And anywhere that Facebook goes, the boobs leave and in we get politicians. And when they open their mouth, you're like, oh my God, please shut up. The entire fucking world right now seems to be two annoying guys talking to each other and I don't want anything to do with it. I just want to be living in a way that's so free that just being alive is an act of rebellion. And like, when do you feel the most free? When do you think that you feel like, I know it, like for a lot of us, we think only on terms of like, if I'm doing the scene from Sound of Music where I'm just like, you know, swinging around through the Alps with, uh, with AK-47s in my hand, if you guys see that meme I always put up, but just like out in nature, you know, that might be your idea of what freedom is, but we wanna experience a little bit of freedom every day. And for me, I feel the freest when I'm joking about something that I shouldn't be joking about. Like y'all should see me when I post something like masks are gay on my Instagram. When I, when I write like masks, every three weeks or so, I write masks are gay on my, <laughs> on my stories just to like filter out anybody that got to my page through an ad and like needs to be trained a bit. Oh my God, every time I'm laughing at something that I'm not supposed to be laughing about, that's when I feel the most free. And that's witch, you know? Witches feel better when they're naughty. Lightworkers feel really good when they're nice to people. When they're like, oh, there's a homeless guy outside. I'm not gonna buy him alcohol. I'm gonna get him a sandwich. There's Patrick. 
Ugh, he's so fucking crazy. The most annoying fucking person to go out with. I'm going to get him a sandwich. And then I'm going to sit and I'm going to talk to him until I realize that like, we're all human and he's, yeah. And he's not homeless. He's an artist. This started as an art project. He's a method actor, but he got lost in the game. I was talking to him really deep. What's his name? Oh, my friend Brian Jones or whatever the fuck, you know? That's Patrick and he feels so good when he's so nice to be. It makes him feel like he's coming alive. Melissa gave me a back massage the other day. She said, when I give people massages, I feel like I'm the one getting a massage. What? People like you exist, dude. The second somebody asked me, hey, could you just rub my shoulder a little bit? Being in a New York City taxi cab, the meter clicks on. And from that first con that first ET contact of me, when is it going to be over? When is it going to be over? When is it going to be over? This chick says to me, I feel like I'm the one getting a massage. Oh my God. I was like, this is crazy. I've never heard of anything like that before. But yeah, go for it. How is it for you? You know? I love that. I can't believe that exists because it's so far from what all I care about is me, 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 dude. That's my shit. I care about me. I care. I say this to my kid. He'll be, he'll be like, I wanted this. I was that. I tell him all I care about is me, me, me right now. I don't care. I don't want to do the you thing. I want to do the me thing. And I haven't taken a nap today and I'm pissed off and you know, it's a, and it's okay. Cause that's what inner work is, you know? Work on yourself, personal development, self-help. You are never going to be able to like shame by telling yourself your problems aren't important and that you're not allowed to talk to them. You're going to make yourself a racist. You're going to make yourself transphobic. You're going to turn yourself into either a liberal or a conservative when the goal is to be way, way, way above those two agendas. I'd rather just focus, you know, our problems are valid and they're funny. And if we can all talk about them, we'll have a great time. Okay, let's do some, uh, let's do some Q&A. How can I turn off my empathy? Oh, great. I'm going to, I'm see, reading one little paragraph of this sentence and I'm already, one little sentence of this paragraph and I'm already liking it so much. How can I turn off my empathy? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> How can I turn off my empathy, but still have understanding for others feeling? Okay, cool. Um, and that, all, that brings us to that perfect wrap up of, uh, which is I, when I'm naughty, when I'm not, so like, for example, there's something I never thought I would say publicly, but Patrick has a tendency to like pick up hitchhikers, listen to their life fucking story and take an hour and a half getting home because he drove a hitchhiker off to like the Zuni reservation and heard their whole life story. And he doesn't tell me about it but I'm developing rolls of 35 millimeter and I see all these portraits of people in the fucking front seat of my truck. Like I'm talking like drunk ass dudes, like hanging out. Oh, Patrick's like, oh yeah, that's my friend, you know, Winston. What the fuck? So, uh, <laughs> but he, um, he always loves that. He always loves picking roadkill up off the side of the road because I manifested a guy that wants to start make, doing taxidermy. Dude, talk about a learning curve. I'm like, but I also was able to manifest a workshop very far away from the house. And so there's only like three dead snakes in my freezer. I'm, I'm, but the neighbor is fucking calling, hey, Patrick, there's a dead snake in the road. You want to come pick it up? Like, 
but Patrick was saying something about uh, really wanting to pitch, pick up hits, and he'll, and he'll stop and pick up cans and stuff off the side of the road, but he was talking, you know, about his ministry and how good he feels when he picks up hitchhikers, and I was like, yeah, well, you've been picking up trash off the side of the road since we first met, so why would this be any different, and he gets so mad at me, but, but I'm a witch, and that means that, like, when I'm naughty, that's when I feel most alive. Like that's when I feel like things are the most fun for me. Um, let me just end this Instagram video real quick and then we'll do, uh, let me see, I'll have to adjust everything on this in a second. Okay. All right, let's do this one more time. Okay, so how can I turn my empathy off? So here's the thing, let's talk about what, there's sympathy, empathy and compassion and you don't want to turn your empathy off because we always get further we'll do anything we'll do more to get away from pain we'll do anything to get away from pain but we'll only do so much to go towards pleasure so if i'm saying you know if, if you're saying i want to turn off my empathy you feel like it's making you a really good person right now you know you're like i still want to be a loving person i don't want to just turn it off you know, because it's something that I like about myself. So we don't want to, and, and who will I be without empathy? And you think of all the references you have of people that are selfish and have no empathy, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be like them. Therefore, I'm going to cling on to this empathy. And empathy is a word that I'm not really big on because it's disempowering for most of the people. You know, she's like, how do I turn it off? And so the way that we turn it off is we grow out of it. So level one is sympathy. And sympathy says, I've never been a black woman in America. Therefore, I have no idea what it's like to experience racism. I'm so fucking sorry that this is happening you, to you. We've got to change this. We've got to change this. Why is this happening to you? And so this is the role of the rescuer, sympathy. Then empathy is like, I do know what it's like to really want to get pregnant and not be able to and to get you know granted it wasn't for as long as some people struggle with it but i know that feeling of seeing your period arrive and just feeling like you're totally broken that you fuck things up and um i do know what it's like empathy and when i think about but this is where empathy would get a little problematic is when i think about how hard it was for me and i think about how hard it is for you I just say like, why is this happening to us? Like, I can't believe, I can't disidentify from it by feeling your, and this is what she's talking about. Empathy is like, no matter how low in the trenches you are, I'm there with you. But the problem is then you have two people that are stuck in the trenches. So saying like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening in general? And so this is the combination roles of victim and judge. So when we do law of the triangle, you can, it, compassion is where we're trying, compassion is past empathy. So you don't wanna give up your empathy or turn it off. You wanna go to the higher level. And compassion is one of the highest frequencies that you can be in. Compassion, appreciation. If you were to spend your life regularly feeling these ways, oh my God, anything. And like, I regularly feel compassion and I regularly feel appreciation because I've like trained myself to get that way. It was not like how I was defaulted at all. Um, and as a result, because whatever you, when you stop trying to control things, which we'll talk about in passion, 
Um, and when you're appreciating things, whatever you appreciate, you get more of. You love great food, you'll get more of it. You love money, you'll get more of it. You love jewelry, you'll get more of it. Whatever you appreciate, appreciates. So it starts this chain reaction of just pulling so much of what you want towards you. Great place to put your focus. Um, but compassion, with empathy and sympathy, you're both looking at the situation and saying, you know, we've got to do something to change this. And every time you say, we've got to change this, you're saying God's doing a bad job. You're saying like God missed a spot here. And I know it feels like that's not what you're doing, but it is. It is. You're trying to do a better job at like earthing than God is. And like your house, Jordan Peterson, one of his rules for life was set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. One of the best that's written on my fridge. You can't even keep your fucking house in order. I can't even fucking get my husband to spit out his sandwich and bring me up a cup of coffee. I'm like, you, me coming to life with coffee, then I'm alive and you can eat a sandwich without the, like, no, not you eat the sandwich and then bring me a coffee 30 minutes later. No, dude, I can't, who am I to criticize the world? I can't even, we can't even decide how this country should be run. Like, right, the, the policies on top of policies on top of policies that keep a country running. And when you're saying this shouldn't be happening, you're telling, you're saying that God's doing a bad job and that you could do a better job. And then you spend your time trying to think about how you could do a better job than God which is just like the worst vibration you can be in. You're also attempting to control something that you fucking cannot control. Like you cannot control this. Things are uncertain now. Things have always been uncertain. You've never known what tomorrow morning is gonna bring. Who here has had their entire life change in one moment? Never coming, yeah, the whole thing, all of a sudden, everything that you thought was gonna happen, oh shit. That's not going to happen. This has always been the case. We've never had any control. This isn't any different. These are not new issues. Things have always been uncertain. Things have always been shitty. But every time you're saying from the lens of either sympathy or empathy, we got to change this, you're competing with God. So the highest level past sympathy, past empathy is compassion. Who here has read Medical Medium? Anthony Williams. Um, I read just the first chapter of it because I stopped at this line where he says, basically the voice that tells him what illnesses other people have. He asked this voice like, who are you? And the voice said, I'm compassion. I'm the fingertips of God. I'm the fingertips of God. So I stopped that book right then. And I got three words from, from or five words from medical medium. Compassion is the fingertips of God, six words. God has all of this power, right? All of this power. When you think about the Sistine Chapel, God reaching for Adam and Adam's there all soft dick and beer belly like what? God's reaching with the angels and the muscles. Imagine this, you guys have seen the, the two fingers one, reaching with everything that he has, trying to reach and touch Adam. God has so much power and is always reaching for you. And if you go and you look up really close at the image, all that Adam would have to do is just straighten his finger and he would touch God. He would touch God. He would have access to all of that power. All we have to do is see the miracle. That's it. All we have, to, it's the equivalent. You don't have to fucking get a hard dick, G. You don't have to sit up straight. You don't have to, oh shit, God's here. 
all you have to do to get all of God's power, all of God's power, all of God's power and the angels and constantly reaching for you, whether you like it or not, all you have to do is straighten your fucking finger. That's it. Everybody here, take their finger from like flaccid to straight. Not that hard, right? Not that hard. This is all you have to do. And you know what this action is in real life? Seeing the miracle. Seeing the miracle. There's always, if you say, I want to see the miracle, your finger straightens, you touch God, you get all of the power. So the access point is compassion. Because God, if God didn't have the fingertips of compassion, all of this power would just overwhelm somebody. It's like going to a fucking Bentinho Massaro lecture, who I talk shit on all the time, but honestly, he's like three levels more advanced than me in teaching, and that's why I don't understand him. And that's why you like when a teacher is like talking about oneness and isness and the I, I, that's that's fulcrum nine thinking. That's like more advanced than me right now. And to me, it's just as boring as fuck. But I'm sure that like in 30 years or whatever, I'll think I'll be like, oh, yeah, isness. I get it. <laughs> but, but what does St. Augustine says, like, make me perfect, pious and chaste, but not yet. Like, that's where I, <laughs> that's where I'm living. I just want to be, I just want to be able to laugh about it right now. I don't want to be perfect just yet. I don't need to, I don't need to transcend my ego just yet. We're having a good time. Um, but, uh, all of that power and all of that information, like when you get to a teacher, that's like a lot more advanced than you. And you're just trying to like understand, like, but bro, what the fuck are you saying? Oh, well, I'm just saying, sit down, dissolve into nothingness, recognize the difference between the I and the I, I, and dissolve yourself into the absolute isness of all that is. What? What the fuck is that? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I don't know what the fuck that means. It's all of that information, but because there's no compassion for where you are today, where you are today oh girl like if i was in that situation and i hope that this is always true for me as a teacher and someone's like i don't understand what the fuck you're saying i hope that i can always have the compassion to stop everything that i'm doing diagnose the level that that person is at and explain it to them in a way that they can understand in a way that they can understand because all of that power will be useless if there's not compassion compassion that says i understand that you're not at my level right now I've been there. I know what it's like to be afraid of coronavirus. Dude, I know straight up what it's like to be afraid of coronavirus. When Patrick was first following it in like January, I'm like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this thing? Oh, this is why I moved to New Mexico. That's it, you know? It got me. For, and it was only when I realized that all of my assumptions about coronavirus were based on leaked footage from China. When I realized that China doesn't leak footage, like that nothing is leaked on the media, that everything is like placed for us. I realized that that was, and I just stopped, it was like an instant dropping of the coronavirus fear, but I know what it's like to be afraid of it. And I know what it's like to be on the other side of it. And I know that there's nothing I can do or say, because you're supposed to be experiencing this right now. You're supposed to be figuring it out and maybe you're supposed to never figure it out. Maybe you feel like you can finally get all of your kids to call you because you're saying you're high risk and now they're checking up on you every single day. 
Maybe coronavirus was like the best thing that happened to you. Maybe you hated your job and were wanting to work from home because you know you can get away with doing like one hour of work if you do it from home. And now that's happened for you, you know, like this is all happening for us. There's no reason to play God. Compassion is seeing somebody, what they're experiencing, all of it, and not needing to change it, not needing to change it, not needing to give them some coaching to help them see their potential. Not again, in my opinion, not needing to give them a fucking ride back to Zuni. Just like I see that you're suffering there. I understand, but I trust that God is at work here. And that if it doesn't feel right for me to go there and solve this, and usually it's not, that I don't need to play God in this situation. So how do you, you turn off the empathy? You evolve, you go bigger, you become compassionate. Compassion is only possible when you are not seeing, the, when you're not identifying with the role of victim, rescuer, or judge. If you're identifying with any of these roles, and just make the triangle with your hand when you feel it coming up, victim, rescuer, or judge, you achieve compassion by, by stepping out of the triangle altogether. But don't forget, compassion, taking the compassionate approach, all you have to do is say, I'm willing to see the miracle here. I'm willing to, my only purpose in life is to see the miracle because the second I see the miracle, I get access to all those God powers. I've extended my finger all of the way and as a result, I'm receiving everything from God. But when I'm saying I could do a better job than God, it doesn't matter that God's reaching for me. It doesn't matter that there's a miracle. I'm too fucking lazy to see it. So hopefully you'll always look at that painting in a different way. I know, I sure do. Let's go to another question here. Elegant Path says, I asked for a break and then literally the next Monday was lockdown in my province. Um, sorry, y'all, I added to this manifestation by asking for a fucking break. The thing is, is that like, how could, we're not in control. There's only so much that we're manifesting. And I learned this when my, I was worried every day for a year and a half that my boyfriend was going to die of a heroin overdose. And then he did. And like, according to Abraham Hicks, I did manifest that. Like, I didn't, you know how fucking much I blame this. Like when you tell somebody that's got cancer, that they're manifesting it. Like it was like the worst news that I ever got. I felt so guilty. I was like, I killed my, I killed the one person that I loved with my thoughts. That's not how that works. Like this is too perfect for all of us. You know, like we're, there's, you didn't manifest this. You didn't manifest your boyfriend going fucking COVID creep. You know, like you didn't manifest this. There's nothing you could do to change. It's happening because it has to happen. And if you can see the miracle, then you're able to access all of the power that's available you know, this happened for you. When you look through a compassionate lens, you see like, oh, here's what this is for. And this can start to be a really beneficial time for you. But, uh, but that's all you have to do. All you have to do is just extend that finger of not trying to change it. Highest vibration that you can be in. Whole, like all the Tibetan monasteries and stuff like that's like they're big, not all of them because I haven't been to even fucking one of them. Um, but Greg Braden's been to a lot of them. He's talked to a lot of those guys and they're, you know, people living to be 130, 140 years old and they're meditating on compassion all the time. I'll tell you one more story about that. Joseph is one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard. Joseph Campbell, Joseph Campbell, who I love you guys, power of myth is he's amazing. But he said that he got to go and meet a, uh, a guru that he was very excited about meeting. He was granted an audience. He was granted being able to ask the guru a question. 
which is really not something that happens a lot, you know? And so he had the question for him. He was probably, you know, 10, 15 years onto his spiritual path. And he said to the guru, he said, I know that God has a plan and that God is controlling everything. But when I look at children starving in Somalia, when I look at racism in America, when I look at what's happening here, pedophiles and all of this stuff, like, how can I accept this? I have to say no to it. So how can I trust that God is at work while also saying no to the things that I don't want to see more of? And the guru looked at him and he said, for people like us, we have to say yes to it. We have to say yes to it. And I have yes tattooed on my throat to remind me about it. We have to say yes to it. This is compassion. We have to say yes to it. It feels, and Joseph Campbell found out afterwards that um, when that guru was just a, yeah, a little, uh, what are they called? Like a little satsangi, like a little apprentice, that he was granted an opportunity to ask his guru one question and it was the exact same question. So this seems to be the, the intersection that a lot of spiritual seekers will find themselves at. How can I possibly say, yes, God, this is your way. You're in control. You love me and you do all things well, but child trafficking, how can I possibly, how can I possibly accept that this is going on without doing everything in my power to fight it? everything in my power to stop it. And it's a very hard answer to get, but for people like us, we must say yes to it. And there are people that feel that, you know, look, some people are meant to be social justice warriors. That's their incarnation for this life. Sure, happy, that's not me. Sure, happy, that's not me. For some people, you know, there has to be activists, you know, somebody that's like, look, and, and how do you know that you're meant to be an activist? Every day that you show up and fucking resist things, you make more money, you feel happier, you sleep better. Look, for me, being naughty, I feel, oh, honey, when I wake up in the middle of the night and I plot a little bit of revenge and I think about some fucking shitty thing I could do to the guy that ripped me off at the Airbnb, <laughs> I wake up in the morning fucking glowing. I had a great, when I think about little jokes that I can make at other people's expense, when I think about how much trouble I'm going to get my husband in, I feel like I come to, I love it. So there, I love it. It feels great to me. Now, look, at some point I have, you know, I have to be really careful with my resentful thoughts because they absolutely take me down and poison me. But plotting a little innocent, you know, joke at somebody else's expense, even if I never do it. Oh my God. Or thinking about how mad someone's going to be at me if I say pronouns are gay. Like I love, it brings me to life. I love it because I'm a witch. For some people, showing up every day resisting will be the path that offers them the most money, the most ease, the most joy. They'll be laughing. They'll meet their people. The same way that I met my people when I started just accepting that I was fundamentally a bitch and I like being naughty and I like having a good time and I like breaking all the rules. So for some people, that will be their mission and they will fight child trafficking tooth and nail because if it's not feeling good for you to fight that, probably not in your destiny. It doesn't need to, if it doesn't feel good, you never need to do it. What are your thoughts on ClickFunnels marketing and the use of Facebook groups? Okay, I gotta tell you this right now. I think Facebook is gay. And I've always thought that it was that way. I swear I've gotten off, I got off of Facebook so long ago because I'm like, what? I don't wanna be friends with a bunch of people's moms, Facebook groups, are you kidding? People just write and write and write and write and then fight and fight and fight in the comments. Facebook fucking sucks, dude. 
Facebook fucking sucks, sucks my nuts. And the reason I didn't want to go to college was because I saw fucking dweebs like Mark Zuckerberg there like on campus smoking cigarettes like Jansport life. I was like, these people are douchebags. I want to go pay to hang out with a bunch of these douchebags. So all of these douchebags created a place where they could be at college when they weren't at college. It's not like Facebook has always just been really weird to me. And I just saw that so many people would get in all of these, you know, all of a sudden that one aunt who has a drinking problem that you would see like every four years at a holiday, all of a sudden you're hanging out with her every day on Facebook. And of course she's getting on your nerves. You're not supposed to talk to this bitch frequently, you know, but Facebook made it normal to like surround yourself with all the most annoying people that you can find and listen to everything that they have to say about everything. And on Facebook, there's just so it's fucking so wordy. Oh, and I, I'm in Denise DT's mastermind on Facebook. It's the only, I have Facebook for running ads. I have just like my, a dummy account. Um, and so I can be a part of this mastermind, but it took me three years to get on this mastermind because it was on Facebook. And I'm like, I just don't want to deal with it. Facebook is pain in the fucking ass. Like, I don't want to deal with it. So ClickFunnels, I don't even really know what that is, but what I can tell you is that I, um, I'm not really sure. So I just, I just put down like $700 on ads, which wasn't that much. But when I used to run ads, in like 2016, 2017, I would get an email sign up. So somebody on my newsletter list for every single dollar that I spent. And that was pretty 2016 and 2017. If I spent $200 on ads, I got 200 people on my mailing list, not 200 clicks, but 200 people on my mailing list. And I just ran an ad for $700 and I got 100 people on my mailing list. And that's how it's been for the last little bit. Like it actually hasn't been, hey, Michelle, congratulations on your new home studio. Looks great. Um, she's been, she's a potter and she, she pot dealer and she make her, her name's Minx Factory on Instagram. She makes really, really cool mugs. You guys always see me and, and her and her man, they do it together. Um, but they have really, really cool stuff, but she's been going and working in another studio for so long because they have the kiln and the everything set up. And so they were just able to get a home set up, which changes everything. That's so cool. I'm so happy for you guys. I saw the, the stories. I was like, yay. Um, what were we just talking about? I just forgot. I told somebody put it in the chat because I'll tell you, I saw, I saw your little thing back there. Tell me what I was just saying. Uh, yeah. No, I don't remember. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, well, thanks. <laughs> I don't remember either. Um, what are we doing? Oh, okay, ClickFunnels and Facebook and all of that. So I used to get, I don't, I don't know why it's like that now, but to me, it's kind of not as worth it as it used to be. Something I'm going to be experimenting, I, I'm going to run because Wheels is going to be doing its first passive round. So I'll po probably put like $3,000 in ads on that and just leave it and not touch it. And then it'll take, um, I think, three weeks for that launch to be over. On Bruja Report, we always have the spiritual ad story highlight going where I show you what ads I'm running, what targeting I'm using, how much I'm putting on it, what the conversion is, and if I think it's worth it or not. But for me, $700, $700 for $100 worth of signups, which means that maybe uh, for 100 signups, conversion rate of like 5 to 10%. I don't know if it's worth it for me yet. I'll let you know when I'm done running, you know, when I see how many people actually end up buying off of it. 
But all I know is that Facebook ads used to get me a hell of a lot. And there were Instagram ads. Um, I used to get a hell of a lot more actual newsletter signups, which is the currency that I, my, my preferred currency um, for like client funnels and stuff like that. Uh, it used to be a lot better. $200 for 200 signups better. Now I just paid $700 for a hundred signups. And the quality of that ad is like really good. It's just, I, I don't, I don't know, dude. It's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, all right. You said your cat ran away. Did it ever come back? Dude, no. So check this out. I always say men are like cats, women, men are like dogs, women are like cats. And you can see if you look at the mask femme story highlights, uh, I talk about that. So I left, we went to Santa Fe and I came back and our feral cat had shit all over the bed, had shit all over the bed. Now look, I have some animals that don't listen to anybody. My rooster, Olo Dumare, I'll be talking and homeboy will come stand right next to me and go, you know, for fucking so long. But when I yell at him in Spanish, if I, if I try and yell at my dogs or whatever, it doesn't listen. But when I talk to them in Spanish, I like follow them around and get so like angry at them. They're terrified of me in Spanish, but they don't listen to me in English. So I fucking tuned out that, whoops. Oh no, my, uh, my, Instagram just died. Well, it's nice to be on here anyway. There's the one that's going on YouTube. Um, so my fucking dogs listened to me in Spanish. So my cat had shit all over my bed. My cat's name was Echicera, which means sorceress in Spanish. And she was a feral cat. Um, and she shit all over the bed. So I went outside. I started screaming at her in Spanish. And I said she wasn't allowed to be on the porch and she wasn't allowed to be on my special chair anymore. This fucking cat turned around, walked out of the gate and never came back. She was like, you're going to yell at me. You're going to yell at this. I got played, dude. I got played by this fucking cat. I miss this cat, but I won't admit it to anybody in the house. When Patrick or, you know, mentions that the cat still hasn't come back. I'm like, she couldn't take the heat. Fine. Fuck it. But dude, I, I got played by this cat, dude. She's like, I'm sorry. You're not the boss of me. And that's just that classic, uh, feline nature. Like with women, we have to like, you know, you piss off a woman, you guys could be in a feud for a long time because we like plotting revenge, dude. We can think of ways to like fuck with each other. I, if I'm in an argument with a woman, I got to make that shit right. With a guy, I'm like, you can be mad at me. I don't give a fuck. That's fine. You'd be mad. I'm mad at you. It doesn't matter. I'm the boss. But with a woman, like I, uh, I lost my temper at my cat and it ran away. So no, she's not coming back. But I do have a name for a second cat, so maybe we'll try. In, in Mexico, they say Kashmir, Kashimeri. They call it Kashimeri. And so I want to get a cat called Kashimeri. Um, okay, have you, how have I adopted Jeff Walker's PLF to support Instagram launches? So something I love about the Jeff Walker product launch formula, and I just got the book on it. Honestly, like I, because I've written a book, I'm in second draft of it right now. Um, I know that you put the best of the best that you have in a book on that subject. So if someone has, if somebody has like a $2,000 course and a book, I recommend just at least trying the book first because you can get it for 18 bucks and you'll be surprised at how much they, you know, for the people that will read a book or listen to a book, you'll really get, and, and launch actually makes a great audiobook. So before I adopted the Jeff Walker PLF strategy, which basically everybody uses, I had, was making digital products and 
I would sell a bunch of them when I first revealed them because I, I didn't know, but I was launching it. I would debut this new product and people would buy it. And then it would just be collecting dust. And I was like, I can't make a new product every time I want more money, especially because that product breaking broke is really fucking good. And I want more people to know about it, but I don't know. Selling was a lot of work for me. I had some like inner shit that I had to work. You know, I thought that people were just annoyed by me selling because I didn't have launches. And so what a product launch formula taught me how to do was to be constantly selling new customers on an old product. So the launch, the PLF formula is basically how to take somebody from 0% interested to 100% sold. And you can do that with an ad, 0% interested. Hey, you don't even know who I am. You didn't know that I wanted my product, but within one week, 10 days, 14 days or whatever, I can take you from 0% interested to sold. And for me, that's the benefit of running an ad is I can just put my even if the conversion, like that's me paying $7 per email sign up. That's a lot. I would like to keep it, you know, if it was three or $4 and, you know, maybe I just need to work with my ad copy a bit more on that. Um, because I think that ads are a really valuable asset to business, especially when you're trying to sell new customers on an old product. And so I love that I can just run an ad and put my work in front of so many people's new faces and how it looks like. So it used to be that breaking broke. If somebody wanted to learn if breaking broke was right for them, they would have to hear me talk about it. They would have to go to my website, become interested in it, think about if it was worth it or not financially for them. And then at some point get a wild hair up their ass and pay me. So I would get maybe, you know, two or three sales a month and super unpredictable. I couldn't rely on it. It was just, it was, I couldn't support myself on that. When I learned how to do a PLF, I, um, I made the workshop eight reasons why you're always broke for breaking broke. Now there was a couple other launches that I did first. You know, I used to just do, I used to do one launch every three months and would be like three pieces of three videos. I would go on live three times. Hey, here's why I love breaking broke, blah, 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 blah. Get people hyped up, then create a sale for three days. It's on sale because that creates the wild hair up someone's ass and they're like, cool, I'm going to pay for it right now. Um, and so, and then I asked myself last year was when I quintupled my income for the first time. I went from, uh, it was, I went from 40 grand to 222 grand. And then this year we're on target for a half a million. So, ta-da. But I wanted to, uh, I was like, how can I do a launch every month without it being tiring for me? So now what I do is if I'm launching Breaking Broke, I will run an ad says, hey, you don't know me, but sign up for my free workshop where I'm going to walk you through the eight money blocks that most people experience the most. And so they're like, oh, that sounds good because I'm getting this exact thing. And then at the end of every single, that's just a teaser for the big workshop. So how somebody goes from 0% interested and unaware that I even exist to 100% sold is through my product launch formula, which accumulates in a sale or some type of incentive to get them to buy right now. And if you go and look at my website on any of my workshops, there's an option that says, try it before you buy it. And that is walking people through an automated launch where they go from zero to sold. So the benefit of that is like, I can also, anytime that I want, if I just wanna see some more sales, I can run an ad 
even if my conversions, like I'm gonna practice having maybe 15 ads running all of the time and figuring out if it's worth it for me or not. I just, uh, I know there's some inner work that I have to do uh, around the value of ads. Cause right now I believe that ads aren't really worth it. But if I start to believe that ads are worth it, it could be a great asset to my business. So I'm gonna change that in, internally first. And I, I, I keep you guys on, uh, you guys know about every ad that I do on the spiritual ads highlight on the Bruja report. So I'll let you know. Is it possible to trust a teacher in her training when she's openly embracing social justice warrior model? I wouldn't. But honestly, like, is it possible to learn from a teacher when they're getting on your fucking nerves? You know, why don't you just go study from somebody that you like? And I know, like, I got on most people's fucking nerves. I get DMs all the time saying, like, I, I couldn't stand you when I first met you. But, like, an, an alarm clock is annoying, but it wakes you up. But you're able to figure out, you know, you might just not like somebody. You might just not like somebody. There's so many teachers out there. Ask the universe to help you. Shit, send me a teacher that's interesting. Sends me a teacher that speaks my language. Sends me a teacher that I can laugh with and just do that. Cause I find it, I find it easier to learn from good looking women or just women in general, but like learning from learning launch strategy from Jeff Walker. I'm like, my G you wear like new balance and socks and khaki shorts to all events. You have a tucked in polo shirt and a fucking tucked in ball sack. As far as I'm concerned, like I would learn so much better if a woman was teaching me this. And so we teach launch strategy, um, the way that I've adjusted it to fit me in my business. We teach that on Empress Academy. I find it easier. And like Hawkeye school too. I love that. I can learn from a man. I can also learn from him if he takes his fucking shirt off. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, if the teacher's just getting on your nerves, do yourself the favor of not following them. You can just learn from somebody that you actually get along with. You don't have to do inner work. You don't have to test it out. Just go find somebody that speaks your language. And look, if they're meant to come back around, you'll remember something they wrote. Like in some cases, I've had a lot of resistance to teachers or concepts. And then it takes me three months and I realize they were right and I come back. So that happened with me with somebody that was talking about COVID being a hoax. And I was basically, my initial reaction, it was Bauhaus wife. My initial reaction was like, man, behind every person saying that COVID is like something we need to resist is some fucking white bitch who got her vacation canceled and like doesn't know how to deal with it. And in my, like, I, I had so much resistance to it. And I actually had to, I unfollowed her. And I, then I came back around and was like, oh, when I realized that she was right. And now, I, and then I started learning from her a bit again, but she's still just basically saying like, when are we all going to start a protest? And it's like, never bitch. Cause I'm not trying to be the truth teller prophetess in end times. I'm trying to be like, wake me up when it's over. And I understand that like, this is happening because it's got to happen and that my resistance is futile. And I just want to focus on what I can control. Um, I've done jelly twice and I'm looking for additional tools to break these jealousy thoughts in jelly. This is, look, there's some people that are just really, really, really going to trigger your jealousy, but I've put, there's not like a jelly 2.0 with more tricks. There's not like a more advanced level of the Vishuddha chakra. It's just that you're not really where you're getting stuck is you're not realizing how badly you want what it is that they have. So if you're jealous of something, somebody, you want what they have. 
And what you need to do is you need to take them, you need to stop putting all of the energy on them and the fact that they have it and put all the energy on you and what it is that you want and really fearlessly pursue that without thinking that it's stupid. You know, if you want their popularity, if you want their bank account, if you want their wardrobe, if you want to be in a relationship, that's the way that theirs looks like you have to just accept that because that's when jealousy ends. Jealousy is a, is a tool like with it's you, anytime you get a desire, it's the best possible thing that could happen to you. And we talk about that in so many workshops, but I would say Spotty Stana module of Wheels Reinvented and also in School of Unified Spiritual Laws and Spirituality 101, we talk about desire. But most deeply, I would say, if you're on Bruja, School of Unified Spiritual Laws, Desire module, season one, you can follow it up with the Spotty. If you're doing Wheels Reinvented, we go super deep into that in, in the Pleasure Center one. But desire is like the best thing that you can have. And jealousy is a desire. You just don't know it. It's easier for you to say, I don't fucking want that. Are you kidding me? I think Chanel is ugly. And I do think Chanel is ugly. But just because I wouldn't spend the same budget on like a pink tweed suit that makes me look like bunny fucking McDougal. Um, I could, I, I love Valentino. I'd be very happy to take that same budget and put it on some Valentino. I could always use another red dress. So when you accept that you want something that they have and you just get cool with it, that's when the jealousy ends. So there's not a jelly 2.0. It's just taking that one little piece of work and being more like when you feel that jealousy coming up, be like, I really want that thing. I'm so happy that I want that thing. Mine is on the way. Mine is on the way. Every time you see someone else with it, it's not a sign that what you want is getting further away from you. It's a sign that it's getting closer to you. You're starting to see more of it. So when you start to see more of it and the space starts to open up, let's say you really, really wanted a new car and then your old car breaks down, this is a sign that it's coming. But you have to hold on to that desire. I want what I want. What you want also wants you. All right, last questions. To what extent should my fam, especially my kids, need to know about my path away from organized? Uh, and I don't, the question cuts off there. Um, the, without knowing the question and being able to wrap this up the way that it is, um, I'm very, I did a live with Reiner the other day just because he was around. We were just fucking around trying to figure out what movie we were going to watch, um, which ended up being Selena. But someone said, I love the way that you're so honest with your son. I'm the same way to all people. Like I'm the same way to all people. And if you came and lived in my house and were observing me par parenting, you might be really surprised to hear me say to my kid, like, yo, you're being a fucking dickhead right now. Like it might be very, so you'd be like, wait, what the fuck? You know, that's not the way that you talk to kids or whatever. Um, but I'm the same way to everybody. And if I, for example, let my son treat me and speak to me in a way that I wouldn't tolerate from other people. Like if I'm letting, if I'm letting him talk to Melissa and say, Melissa, don't look at me, don't talk to me. And like just being a dickhead, I'm not going to like my kid because we have, I, I've learned how to teach people how to treat me. But then my kid is this one person that can get away with utterly disrespecting me, making a fucking situation, like making my house a nightmare. And if I can laugh about it, I can deal with it. 
if I can talk to him like an adult, like, but if I'm pretty, oh no, honey, okay, well, what are you feeling? Let's use little voice, all that other fucking bullshit, that mom advice that I get. His mom's telling me, I, I'm talking about my kids screaming and she's like, yeah, I like to tell my kids little voices, please, in the house, but also my kids shattered my eardrum. Well, bitch, it doesn't sound like it's working. Doesn't sound like that little voices thing is working for anybody except for like, you know, your parenting blog. So if I, I have to be the same, the second I notice myself behaving, compromising my integrity. Integrity means the same person on the inside as on the outside. So if on the inside, I'm saying my kid's being a fucking dickhead right now. And on the outside, I'm saying, okay, honey, little voices, please tell me how you're actually feeling that I'm out of integrity. And because I've been living in integrity as like my primary life mission since 2017, being honest and learning more ways that I'm lying to myself and finding more ways to be more honest, because it just means I'm cool with myself. I'm not afraid of what people are going to say about me because I know who I am. It's just, it's about me. When I say all I care about is me, me, me. Yeah. I care about like how I'm behaving with myself. Am I in integrity or am I doing things for the approval of others? Am I lying to myself and abandoning myself so that other people will like me more and think I'm a better mom? I'm the same person to all people, to your mom, to my mom, to the Uber driver, to my ex-boyfriend, to a Trump supporter, to Biden supporter. I'm the same way to all people and that way is honest. And that also extends to my kids. So I really recommend that when you're trying to figure out how to talk to your kids about racism or COVID, or um, if it's unsolicited, if they're not like, hey, mom, what's a racist? If they're doing, you know, cross that bridge when you get to it. I don't think that the same way that I don't think that you should have a boy asking him every day if he wants to wear a dress, you know, if he wants to wear a dress, go get him a dress. It's no big deal. But you don't have to ask him every day, hey, would you like to talk about racism today? Like, how is your penis feeling? Would you like to be a woman today? Would you like to wear a dress? Like, I don't think if they're asking, Asking, they're curious. Everything else is just unsolicited. Um, but if I, if I can be honest, when here you go, when you find yourself in a situation when you don't know how to, where you don't know how to talk about it, ask yourself why. What's the truth, and why do I think it would be so not okay for me to say that? Because a lot of times we don't realize that we're lying. You know, we're like, oh no, I don't lie. Like, I don't lie ever. And that's where I used to be until I made it my mission to be like a beacon of truth, to use my voice wisely, to speak truthfully. Um, anything that comes out of your mouth when you're not comfortable telling the truth is a lie. And lies have a stink. Lies have a frequency. And every time you lie, you're doing it for the approval of others, which means you're abandoning yourself. You're reinforcing the side of you you least want to be, and you're weakening the side of you that's most powerful that you most want to be. It's like a very, very toxic thing to do. But if I were to lie to my kid where, he, where I think that he's basically being a little Caligula, fucking tyrant running, making my house a miserable place to be. And I'm telling, oh no, what are you feeling? And I'm pretending to be uh, something that I'm not. It's not helping him. So all I would say is in any situation with any person, when you feel uncomfortable telling the truth, you need to ask yourself why. And because truth is room temperature. Lies are cold and hot. So if you lie cold and you leave it out, oh, I'm going to leave a lie and I'm just going to leave it here. Eventually it's going to come up to the temperature of the truth or you tell a hot lie. 
eventually it's going to cool down to the temperature of the truth because the truth is where we're all going to meet up. And the truth doesn't need to be established. It doesn't need to be defended. It's going to be different for everybody. When you tell the truth, everyone gets rerouted to their, but when it's your truth and you're not speaking it, it's going to come out eventually. These are things you really want to find out about before you marry people. If you're not living truthfully, who here has seen Runaway Bride? That's a, a good movie night movie. But she didn't even know how she liked her eggs, you know? She didn't, being single was one of the hardest things I ever did. And nobody told me that being single fucking sucked so much. I just thought that I was like broken and also really good at falling in love. But being single was really, really hard for me. But single, I learned things about myself, like how much space I need, what my routines are, how I like to spend the morning. I didn't know that I ever needed space before I was single because I just always wanted to be around somebody. Um, but being single, I learned the truth of myself and what I need and what it is that I really don't like, you know, what it is that I don't want to deal with anymore and what it is that I would like to reinforce. And so a lot of times people will commit to being with someone for life before they know who either of them are. And, uh, and that's lying, you know, that's lying. And you didn't do it on purpose. You didn't do it maliciously, but you didn't know who you are. And so being a person of integrity, being a truthful person that's in, impeccable with their word, it takes somebody that cares about me, me, me. All I care about is, am I being honest with myself? Am I doing the best that I possibly can? Am I, am I constantly looking for ways to be better, more truthful? Am I taking responsibility for what it is that I see? Am I doing my best? And if you are, then like, that's good enough. That's good enough. But everything, you might not think you're lying, but everything that comes out of your mouth when you're uncomfortable telling the truth about racism, when you're uncomfortable telling the truth about, you know, what's actually going on. I even, I don't know, I have such a hard time because on Conspiracy Lovers Anonymous, we've heard some flat earth stuff, not too much, but it's so hard, like, since learning through Operation Paperclip about, like, the weirdness with NASA, sometimes I even have a hard time watching Magic School Bus with my kid because I'm like, well, some people say the earth is round and this is a whole thing about that. So until, uh, but that's one of the best things about having kids is when they ask you a question where you don't know what your truth on the matter is, you can go and research, you get so much smarter. And this is how you homeschool your kids. You go and study something you're curious about, learn how to explain it to a child, and then you go forwards. And if you're not doing this for yourself, then those teachers, those fucking bozos that sit around in a circle and ask to taste 10 beers before they try one that they're not even gonna finish, um, these are the people that are putting their beliefs into your kids' minds. So if COVID has been a little bit of a shakeup for you and you don't know, you know, what kind of world you're sending your kid back into, I strongly suggest that you find out what the school's curriculum is and strongly suggest that you find out what your beliefs are and make sure that those two things are aligned because it's important. <laughs> so that's going to be it for the day. I wanted to thank you all so much for being here on this new project. And, and most of all, I want to thank Bruja Report so much because uh, it's, I started Bruja Report because I needed a place where I could go and be honest and know that I was accepted for who I was. I needed a place where I could go and be not PC. I needed a place where I could talk about my insignificant problems and I've seen what I've been able to do as a teacher, where I've been able to go and the experiences that I've been able to have. And also for all y'all as well, like 
the, especially in some of the rooms like Women's Wealth Mastermind, the, these moons or all of these events, Conspiracy Lovers Anonymous, we're able to advance so much faster than other people are because we feel safe not knowing the answers to things. You can ask stupid questions in Bruja Report. You can say, I don't understand this. Can we please explain it? And as a result, like real growth, real transformation is happening. But I created this for myself and you guys have always been my first sounding board have always you guys have there's not been one thing that happened in my life that you guys weren't aware of some of the hardest things that i've ever had to work through um, that i've never shared with with people on my public account i've shared with bruja report so i want to thank you all so much for always being that safe space for me and i hope to continue to create uh safe spaces for you so thank you all so much i'll see you later and have a wonderful day thank you thank you thank you thank you bye